Good evening to each of you and greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I am I I am indeed grateful for Brother Keith's involvement. I distinctly remember him being there when I was ordained, seems like quite some time ago. And as you all were, as he was talking earlier about this conference starting 50 years ago, um, I was barely here. In fact, probably the, the beginning thoughts of the conference was happening before I was born. And uh, yet 50 years seems like a long time in some ways. Um, but just sitting here thinking, um, I am privileged to have uh, Brother David's son, Josiah, who married uh, a, a girl from down there, live, uh, working for me. And I was thinking, you know, uh, I knew Brother David from my older brother, the connection. And I so um, I knew who he was, and I knew that him and my older brother had some doings together and so on and so forth, but didn't really learn to know him real well, but I knew who he was. And I also know... I knew of Brother David's dad, Fred, although, again, I, I know who he is, but I wouldn't have known him very well, and, uh, or I don't know him very well, and uh, yet I know the, I'm looking, so I'm already uh, three generations, right? So I can, I can easily remember yet that as I was younger, uh, as I would hear older men ask me, well, who is your dad? I'd think, boy, they are old. If they, if they have to ask me who my dad is, don't they even say nothing about our grandpas, right? And so I'm at that stage now. I meet some of uh, the young people uh, from around here. I say, well, who's your dad? In fact, I think I asked my wife on the way up. He was talking about somebody. And I said, well, who's his, who's his dad? And, and so here I am. Uh, time moves on. I appreciated the devotions that uh, our brother shared tonight. I thought he did a good job of introducing the subject of loving God with all our heart. Uh, and, you know, a subject like this is something, as I, I'm, I'm not even as old as some of you all, but I need to be reminded about this more than every 50 years, right? I need to be reminded of this uh, sometimes we need to be reminded daily that God is God and that I need to, all of my life needs to, needs to, uh, to, to focus on that. And so it's a, it's a subject that is, that we need to look at. I think, I think the committee, uh, did well in, in, in this subject that we need to look at it. And then the songs again, uh, I appreciate it so much. The last song, uh, that we sang, Oh, for a Closer Walk with God. Um, you know, that's what our heart's desire is. But sometimes we stray, and it talks about that in verse 2. Where's the blessedness I knew when I first saw the Lord? Do we remember how we felt when we first became Christians? I can remember I responded to, uh, to uh, um, revival meetings one night. The Lord was working on my heart. And my heart was heavy. And I went up to the front, and I remember Brother Enos Eatwall. You all know who, most of you all know who I'm talking about, led me to the Lord. I went up into, we had little rooms up front, and we went up into that room. And I remember coming out of that room, and I just could walk on air. 
I was worried if I died, what happens? Or if the Lord would come back, where would I go? And I come out of that room and I just felt light as a feather. I didn't care if Christ came back that night, I was fine. I just was, you know, so I'm sure emotions was involved. But there's something about turning your life over to the Lord and the freedom we have when we first know the Lord. And then life happens, right? And so we walk with the Lord and things happen in our life and we get distracted. Our focus becomes uh, something that it shouldn't be. Or we get focused on our troubles. Yes, God is faithful, but, but it, this mountain looks so big, right? And so I'm thankful for times like tonight that we could pause our work and we can say, okay, what is important in life? Refocus our life. Where is that blessedness I knew when I first saw the Lord? And brothers and sisters, if we, can, if we can get a grasp on who our God is and what He, what he can do and is, wants to do in our lives, we will be revived, we will be energized like once we first knew the Lord. There's a freedom that we can have and a, and a, and a, uh, um, a power that, that God can work in our life. Where is the soul-refreshing view of Jesus and his word? And then the next verse even talks about something I'd like to touch on a little bit tonight. The dearest idol I have known, whatever that idol be, help me that idol to dethrone and worship only thee. You know, it's easy to sing those words pretty easily. And well, we don't have asterisk poles up here, do we? To worship. We don't have a wooden carved image of some God up here that we fall down before. But if you're human like I am, we have we struggle sometimes with giving something first place in our life when it should really shouldn't be there. So what does it mean to love God with all our heart? I invite you to turn in your Bibles for a text to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, and we'll notice this is in the context of people coming to Jesus, and they wanted to trip him up. They were asking him questions, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, uh, Herodians, they wanted to, they, they were looking for ways to trip up Christ in his words so that they could have a good, a valid reason to get rid of him. So they could feel justified in getting rid of this uh, teacher, this man that was upsetting the fruit basket. And, um, and, and so they asked him these hard questions about, uh, you know, should we pay our taxes? Surely, you know, we're not from this world. Should we really have to, to pay taxes? We know what Christ told them. Pay, pay, pay the government what, he, what you owe them and, and, and give God what you owe him. Render to Caesar what Caesar's and to God the things that are God. So they were marveled. They amazed at that answer. And then they tried to trick him up. You know, as, you know what if a man, well, this woman, she got married seven times. Who's she going to be? You know, who's going to be her husband in heaven? And again, we know Christ's answer that uh, they, they, they saw it wrong. And he gave him an answer. And, and then we come to verse 28 of Mark chapter 12. And it's almost as if this one scribe 
saw the light. Verse 28, then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second like it. This second like it is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And so the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth. For there, is but, for there is one God, and there is no other but He. And to love Him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And now when Jesus saw that He had answered wisely, He said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. But after that, no one did, dared question Him. I'll stop there. How can we love God with all our heart? I believe it speaks of our relationship with God. How important is that to us? In what ways does it manifest itself in our life? You see, what we love will help to determine what our actions are. What we love or who we love will determine what we, how we talk. Who we love will determine our attitudes. You see, it'll make a difference in the very core of who we are as a person. Now, in the passage in Matthew, uh, the sim that is uh, the same similar passage, uh, passage that we have here in Mark, uh, it does not have verse 29 where it talks about what, the, what Jesus said. And I wanted to use this passage because I think this is an important part of, of our understanding and our knowledge and our, uh, our fleshing out of loving God with all our heart. And that is this, we first have to understand who God is. We first have to realize who God is and, and, and who we are serving and who, we, who are we expected to put first in our life. And so he says, Jesus told him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And the scribe agreed with him in verse 32. He says, You have spoken the truth, for there is but one God, and there is no other but He. There is no other God. Who is God? If you was asked to describe who God is, what would your answer be? I would love if we could have a Sunday school lesson right now. But I'm not going to take the time. But think about it. If you were asked to describe God to someone who maybe didn't understand or uh, have a good understanding of who God is, what would you tell them? And I'll admit to you, as I, as I began to think about, uh, about God and who he is and, and, and what, it, you know, that we need to put him, we need to love him with everything that we are. 
who is this? Who is this that we're asked to do this for? And so, I'll give you what I have, but I, I'll, I'll, you know, it's 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 sometimes a little difficult to explain really the 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 full picture of who God is because He is God. We don't understand Him completely. One of the songs I think was a song during devotion said something. I think it was one of the songs talked about the mystery of God. We just cannot under completely grasp who He is. That's because He's God. If we could completely understand Him, would He be God? But we know some things. He is supreme over all His creation. God is supreme over all His creation. He created the world. In Genesis 1.1, the beginning of the Scriptures, it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. He created the world. Everything you see, God created he created life to begin with. He created you and I as, as people. It, and in chapter 2 of Genesis, we, we, we read a little, little bit more detail about how God did, did that. In, in verse 7, it says that the Lord God formed man from uh, the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And it says that man became a living being. And so God himself breathed into uh, uh, the, the man that he formed from dust and he, and he gave him life, physical life. And we know he also has made a way for us to have spiritual life. God is the giver of life. He has created life. Not only did he create the world, but he created life and breath and gave us uh, uh, the ability to choose and to, to be a, a living being. That's God. That's the God we're asking us, that's the God we're thinking and talking about, loving with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. Daniel Kaufman says in his book on the doctrines of the Bible, the infinite being whom we call God can be described only in the language of infinity. His dominions are immeasurable. His wisdom unfathomable. unfathomable. His greatness beyond comparison. His riches unsearchable. His ways are past finding out. We have reached the limit of our knowledge when we exclaim with the psalmist, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God, end of quote. I think he put it well. It's hard to describe who God is. It's, it's, it's the, the, the language of infinity. It's the language of, 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 he is just more than we can explain. And so we realize God is God. He created, he is supreme over all his creation. And without God, we are nothing. Without God, we don't live. Without God, we don't exist. Paul told the men of Athens uh, when he came through there in Acts 17, you all recall how he came through there and there was an idol to the unknown God. And he said, you know, uh, this, he, 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 this God is, uh, that I serve is this God that you don't know who he is. And he says in there that this God is the God that we live. In, in him we live and move and have our being. God, God, this is the God that we serve. This is the God that we, we love with all our heart. Without him, we don't live, we don't move, and we don't have our being without God. God is supreme. 
I'll come back to Mark. I would like to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 8 for a few uh, verses there. 1 Corinthians 8, verses 4 to 6. Just to help drive this, this uh, important foundation for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 4. Now this, again, is, is talking in context of, of things offered to idol. And again, like I mentioned earlier, we don't off, we don't, we don't, we know if there was a wooden uh, image of, of something up here that people would, would worship, we know that it's nothing. It's a piece of wood or a piece of steel or whatever it is. And so if they brought some food up here, offered it to this piece of wood, we'd know it's nothing, right? It's, it's that wood's nothing. There's no life in it. We know that. We know, we know the true God. And so that's what Paul's talking about here in 1 Corinthians 8. And so he says here in uh, chapter 8, verse 4, Therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in, this, in the world, and that there is no other God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, of whom, all, of whom are all things, and we for him, the one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we are all, through whom all, I'm sorry, through whom are all things, and through whom we live. There again, it brings out the idea of in, in Christ, in God, we live, we move, we have our being. It's through Christ that... Uh, that are all things and through him we live without him there is nothing and there is only one God whether someone claims to be God whether we claim someone else is God or something else is God it's not true uh, they simply are not accurate and so uh, our God is supreme we could talk about many things that where God through the centuries has proven his supreme authority over creation and even over other so-called gods. And we know that the experience of the children of Israel was flawed with, with, uh, with that problem. They tended to worship other, other gods, so-called gods. And God would, uh, sometimes when God was tested, he would, he would uh, show himself strong. Now back in Mark, in our text, the scribe agrees with Jesus, there is one God and no other beside him, verse 32. I think it's important to establish that God is supreme and that there is no other. We have to be settled. We have to, be, we have to acknowledge that. We have to accept that as truth and, and that there is no other God. There is no one greater than God. God, God is not responsible to anyone higher than himself. God is not responsible to anyone higher than himself. It's a little bit like when our children, I've got four boys, and so uh, they have opinions just like all of us dads do, right? Uh, and so if, if, they, if they get into argument or a talk about whether uh, John Deere is better than international, they might have their say-so. But if dad says John Deere is better than international, it's the truth. They appeal to someone higher. Okay, 
If my dad said, if you drive a Chevrolet, it's, them Fords just ain't worth nothing. That's going to be true. They appeal to a higher authority. And the scripture alludes to that in Hebrews. And I know, I, I, I know uh, uh, what, what the scriptures say about swearing, okay? So I'm not advocating swearing. But the scripture says in Hebrews 6, 13, when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. I think what he's trying to say is that, that, that he could not appeal to a higher authority than himself, so he swore by himself to validate something. There is no one greater or anyone, anything greater than God. And so he, he swore by himself. Time and again, as I said, throughout history, even since the beginning of time, God has shown himself to be supreme, supremely sovereign. I don't think we comprehend, or at least I don't comprehend enough, how great, how great uh, our God is, how great of a God, how great He is, and how how, how infinitely uh, supreme and, and and powerful that He is. He's, his His ability to to do what He wants to do. He is he is that he is a he is that that God and yet he is a father he is a father who loves us so much that he was willing to send his only begotten son into the world to redeem us sinful and broken humanity back to himself he could have done anything he wanted to do my mind goes back to the children of Israel when he said Moses get out the way so I can wipe them off and start over Moses pled with him. God can do what he wants to do. And yet, he was willing to send his only son into the world to redeem us to himself. I believe tonight it is to the extent that we love God with all our hearts and surrender to him that we will take on his nature and his power will flow through us to loving our neighbors as ourselves. Let me say that again. To the extent that we love God with all our hearts and surrender to him, is that when that we will take on his nature and that his power then will flow through us to loving our neighbors as ourselves. Since this is the case, and it is, God is God. Hear, O Israel. Hear you, all of you in this room. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. There is no other. This is the case. It only follows that God should have the preeminence in every aspect of our life, right? You see, that's how that's that gives us a good reason to 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 love Him with everything that we've got, with everything that we are, because He is God. He is supreme. <coughs> so. first commandment is hear O Israel the Lord our God the Lord is one and you shall love him you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength this is the first and I think Matthew puts it the greatest or the great commandment this is the first could we say this is just the most important commandment 
that there is. This is supremely something we need to remind ourselves over and over again. This is the first and greatest command. Is there anything, let me put it this way, if there's anything we should be focusing on in life, this is it. This is it. When we love someone, it affects how we relate to them. I can remember when I was dating my wife. It affected how I treated her. It affected how I talked to her. It affected my attitude about her, right? Uh, and so when we love someone, it affects what we do, what we say, our attitude. Uh, to what extent we'll go to please them. It affects all that. And so, uh, and I know uh, for those of you who aren't married tonight, think of it in these terms. What about your best friend, your, 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 your buddy, your, your, uh, someone that you confide in or someone that you love to, to hang out with and you tell them all your heart's concern or you, you can talk about almost anything with your best friend. You see, if you love him or her, what you, it will affect how you respond to, to them. It will affect your attitude toward them. They could even mess up pretty badly and you, you, you'll still go to bat for them because you love them. What does that tell us about loving God with everything that we are, with our whole being? How quickly do we go to bat for God? What's our attitude toward God? Do people even know we know God? John 14, verse 21, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. If we, if we truly love God with our whole heart and our whole being, it will manifest itself in our keeping his commandments. We will want to keep God's commandments. We will want to please him. So we'll find out, what does God want for me? What is God, how does God want me to live? And we have it in the scriptures. He who has my commandments, and we do, right? And keeps them, I hope we do. It is he who loves me. Loving God also means, with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, means that he should have absolute top priority in our life. We should love God with our whole being. It, talk, it talks about our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm not going to spend just a whole lot of time going down on those different aspects. I'll tell you, uh, uh, it's, it talks to me of loving him with our whole person, with everything that we are. You see, we are made, we are made uh, as a person... Um, in different, um, we have different capacities or different. Um, what should I say? We are made with a. We are made with our spirit. We have a soul. We have a mind, and we have a body. Right. So God made us that way. But it. Uh, we need to love God in our spirit, with in our in our heart, uh, in, in our thoughts, in our feelings of our minds. Can I say it that way? The feelings. Maybe it talks about our attitudes. Uh, we are to love God 
it, with, with all of that in, in our understanding, in our intellect, our mind. The Bible talks about being renewed in our mind. I think that's what it's talking about. Uh, that we love him with our, with our mind, our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. Um, maybe our strength could refer to our ability or our capacity as a person. Uh, what we do and how we act and how we respond and how, you know, do we put all our energies into loving God? Is that what's most important? What does it mean in our lives? I think as we meditate on that, we'll know. Am I giving God first place in all of life? in the way I think, in who I am, in my inner man, in my soul, in my spirit. Can people see in our spirit, can they sense our spirit that we're giving God first place? And I know we'll talk about that a little bit tomorrow evening, Lord willing. Can they sense in our spirit that we love him more than anything else? Our primary motive in life is to love God more than anything or anyone else. Our primary motive in life is to love God more than anyone or anything else. Can I suggest tonight that we begin with loving God more than ourselves? Do we love God more than our own will? Our own plans, our own desires. We know that even Christ submitted to, to the Father's will. You remember in the Garden of Gethsemane? And he was wrestling. And he said, Father, if there's another way, take it. But if there's not, I want your will done, not mine. We also know that Christ often spoke of what he said to people was not really his words. It was the words from the Father. It was the Father's words. What the Father told him to say, that's what he says. And so it was obvious that, that Christ was, was submitted to the Father. He loved his Father. In Luke 9, 23, it says, Christ says, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily. And sometimes it is daily. I had a brother just, uh, just not so long ago said, sometimes it is moment by moment. I need to surrender to God. Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And so our primary motive in, in life is to love God more than ourselves. When our will is at variance with God's, we will surrender even when we'd rather not. And that can be difficult. We know how to take good care of ourselves. May we, may we surrender that to Christ, to God. Our motive in life is to love God more than ourselves, and I think we also should love God more than our family. Really? Christ had some pretty strong language for us here. We should love God more than our spouse, more than our children, parents, grandparents, more than our grandchildren. Uh, 
family, uh, children and families is more than your brother and sister. Maybe you don't think that's very hard to do, to love God more than them. I hope it's not quite that bad. But most of us realize sometimes we don't know or we don't, well, let's put it this way. We don't know how much we love someone till we lose them, right? Or we don't know, uh, it doesn't sink home, you know, that we've, how much we love someone till something changes and we realize how much we love them. And you're telling me we have to love God more than that? No, I'm not. Christ is, Matthew 10, 37. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Luke 14, 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. That's strong language. And I'm convinced tonight Christ isn't meaning that it's a bitter, hateful, wicked hatred that we need to have for our families. Rather, the, that word carries the idea is to love less than, to, to love our father and our mother less than him. We have to give him preeminence even in our families, even in our husbands, for our spouses, our husbands or our wives or our children. If we should have to choose between our relationship with God and our relationship with our family, God is preeminent. We side with God. And I'm so thankful tonight that probably most of us here tonight, as we have had godly families and Christian families, we don't need to make that choice because they have God's will and our family's will is... In harmony. I'm not saying it's always exactly the same, but it's in harmony. We want what God wants, and that's a blessing. We don't need to choose that. But if we would, are we willing to? There's plenty of Christians, plenty of in, in many places in the world that have to choose that. If they become a Christian, their families will no longer own them. They may have to fear for their very life. We've got it pretty nice here. I would ask us to remember it may not always be that way. And then what? I believe we should love God more than our business. We should love God more than our jobs. We should love God more than <clears throat> our livelihoods and our possessions can go in this Camp as well. Do we love God more than what we have or trying to get or try through business? <clears throat> Again in Luke 12, 15, he says, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist of the abundance of the things he possesses. <clears throat> in other words, is God more important than 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 putting money in our bank account as a business. We will not en engage in dishonest business practice to just because it's good business sense, right? I trust that's true. 
Are we willing to are we willing to take a hit in our business? Are we willing it willing for our businesses to to take a loss because we love God with all our hearts and and we are we are committed to serving him with everything we have. And while a, while a, while a business decision may make good sense it may not be right. Are we willing to say no? Each of us know the temptations in our respective businesses and how real they can be. I run an auto repair shop. Auto repair shops, at least in the South, are known to be rip-offs, scam artists, right? You take your car to the shop, they're going to find everything under the sun. That's wrong with that thing. They're not happy unless you walk out of there with a $1,000 bill, right? It's something we deal with. So what happens if I mess something up? Oh, well, you needed it anyway, right? It's, it's your car. I broke it, but never mind that. You see how easy we can justify what we do. The temptation can be there because sometimes it can be expensive. tell you some stories and I haven't always responded right I'll be honest with you by God's grace I have I hope most of the time but are we committed even in our businesses to love God with all that we are what if what if God would ask us to leave our businesses behind I want you to go serve me somewhere else. Yeah, but God, I've got a good business. It's flourishing. I'm providing for my family. I'm supporting the church. I'm doing a lot of good with this money. Do you realize that, God? Do we love God with all our heart, all our soul, mind, and strength? I had to think of Brother Howard and Brother Enos, Howard Brubaker and Enos Heatwall moved from this area here. When the church asked them, would you go to South Carolina and help them bumpkins down there? Not like that. <laughs> would you help them lead the church and give direction to the church? I think, so. did they both have farms up here maybe? I'm, I'm not sure, is that right? They had something I'm sure they were providing for. I know Enos had farm, I'm pretty sure. They had things going on. But I thank God tonight they were willing to come. They have been such a blessing. They have provided a good foundation for, for the church there. And we're still benefiting from their work. Thank the Lord. Thank you for letting them come. Thank you for sending them. And I thank God they were willing to leave their businesses and come. Sure, they started businesses down there. I can also remember when our church got the call for, uh, a, uh, there was someone that wanted a church, uh, an Anabaptist church over in Monticello, Georgia, close to Atlanta. And so uh, 
there was a church formed, and I was working for Alan Schrock at the time, and they came and asked him, Alan, would you go over and give leadership to the church in Georgia? Now, Alan had a good business. He was fixing cars. He was making money. He was doing well. He had a good reputation with the community. He was reaching out in the community. He was involved in the church. He was a pastor there. I'm sure he was given to the church. There were so many good things happening with Alan Schrock. It would have been easy to say, uh, Lord, don't you see what's going on here? But I thank God that he pulled up stake. He sold his business. And he went over to Georgia. And he tried this and he tried that. And a few other things. and He's back to turning wrenches. But he was willing to give up his business and move, sell his house. You see... I think that gives evidence that he loved God more than what he had, more than his business. He was committed. I'm sure there are people here that moved into this area from other areas and gave up their businesses. Would we be willing to? Are we hesitant to give up? Are we completely open to God for what he wants for us? Or does our business hold us pretty tight? We've got farms. We've got businesses. I'm speaking to Mark too. I happened to own the business Alan Schrock had. Would I be willing to give that up? Let me throw this angle. Maybe maybe we would like to maybe we would like to go somewhere, but God seems to want us to stay put. Is that a possibility? I've heard of people desiring to go somewhere and serve the Lord. I want to go to Bolivia. I want to go to Africa. I want to go to somewhere and serve the Lord somewhere other than here, anywhere. Maybe not anywhere, but they have, you know, they have the desire to serve the Lord somewhere else. It just, it doesn't work out. And it seems like God is telling them to stay here. Bloom where you're planted here. And sometimes that's God's answer for us. My question is, are we willing to do that? Do we love God with everything that we've got? And if God says, stay here, I'm okay with that, God. You see, our love for God takes priority over our business, our possessions, our financial success. We should love Him with everything we are. Whatever that means, I'm surrendered, I'm ready. Lord, if that's what you want, I'm okay with that. Imagine what God can do with a group full of people like you here tonight. If we were 100% sold out and we got ourselves out the way and we loved Him with everything we had. I'll mention one more area and I'm sure there'll be many more areas that we could talk about. I'm just trying to do paint in broad brush generalities here to try to include most of life. And this one may not really affect, we may not think it affects us that much, and it may not. But I believe we should love God more than our country. I think we should love God more than our country. Don't hear me wrong, I appreciate our country. I appreciate America. I appreciate the country that uh, that I have been blessed to be born in and raised in, and the freedoms and opportunities we enjoy here. And the Bible does say to honor the king, right? And so we should be good citizens. I'm not telling you we shouldn't. 
But where is our heart? Where is our motive? Sometimes our country may ask us to do something that is contrary to God's will for us. Are we willing to go there? Or are we chafing because we can't do that? Go to war. Vote. Whatever it is uh, that, you know, that, that we would like to do. We'd like, you know, what? be policemen. Whatever it is that we think we would like to do. Or maybe our, our church or our conference has taken a stand on some things and, and some applications. And we might chafe a little bit. Why can't we be good citizens and do some of these things and make a difference in our in our community, in our in our in our United States? Well, if we go out there and vote, you know, we could. I mean, we heard it in the last election, right? If only we get out there and vote, they, our, our world would be different. I don't know how much pushback you get from your local society here. I hear it at my business. I have people coming in. And sometimes politics is talked about. I have a, I have a service writer who is not, in the, uh, not a Mennonite. He votes. And sometimes we have a conversation, and it's interesting. And he, and he nods to our, to our stand. He, 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 uh, while he still votes, I think he sees what's going on. Here's a sobering thought, at least for me. Anything or anyone who is more important to me than God is constitutes idolatry. Right? If there's anything that I value more than Almighty God, I've become an idolater. It's an idol in my life. Do we worship anything or anyone other than, than God? Is our allegiance to, to God or is it to someone or somebody else? What or who do we value in life? I believe as we answer some of these questions, as we think about them and wrestle with them in our life, it'll become clear where our allegiance is. It'll become clear whether we love the Lord God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength, with everything, with who we are. May God help us to be sold out for Him. You see, when we love someone with all our heart, we value them, we hold them in high regard, and we enjoy being with them and learning to know them, right? I do. Is that true for God? And I know for myself it's, it's easier maybe to, 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 to do this with people that we can see and touch and hear and we can uh, interact with. So we can develop that relationship, and sometimes it goes well, sometimes it doesn't go so well. But with God, he's not, we can't see him physically. His, his spirit and our spirit uh, communicate, but 
it's, it's work. It takes work. We need to make, be intentional about, about working on that relationship and, and just to, uh, to uh, acknowledge God in our life. And so, I'll leave you with this question. Do we love God with all our heart? Do we hold Him in highest regard above everything else? Do we value His word? And do we enjoy spending time with Him and learning to know Him? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank You for Your word. And we thank You that You want to have a relationship with us. Lord, You know we are sinners. You know how broken we are before You. You know we need You. And I pray tonight that you would make yourself real to each and every one of us. And that, that our hearts would be, uh, uh, would be revived. And that, they, that our hearts would just be full and overflowing with love for you. And that, that if with everything that we are, with everything, with who we are, we just want to love you. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would bless us to that end. Remind us of who you are and that you want what's best for us. And we thank you for that. And thank you for sending your son that we can have peace with you, that we can have a relationship with you, and that our spirit and your spirit can connect and commune and that we can walk as you want us to walk. And so, Lord, I pray that you would bless us to this end. In the name of Jesus, amen.